0: everybody and welcome to week 42 of 52 weeks of empowerment. I am Andrea Pagnosi, your host. I am also a career empowerment coach who is fiercely dedicated to getting everyone in 2022 to realizing their true career potential. The last few weeks, we've talked about seizing opportunities to shift from one job or industry to another. And we call this the pivot in coaching and employment. This episode is going to carry on with that viewpoint by diving into a question that is looming for some. Do I go back to the corporate confines of a permanent place of employment, or do I take this opportunity of change to go into a contract or consulting position? Will it hurt me or help me? Would I like it better? What are the benefits and things to consider? And to do this, we have Mahmoud Abu El-Mil, or Coach Mo, as he is known to his native Canadians, to walk us through. Mo is an attentive and dependable senior professional with over 20 years of experience at Tier 1 consulting firms and industry-leading companies, so he really knows both sides of the coin. He is a principal IT consultant, an entrepreneur, and a career coach and he coaches to empower individuals to take their performance and achievements to a whole new level. Most importantly, Mo is a husband and a father of three, and he has a wealth of coaching knowledge besides. Mo, welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Andre. Thank you for having me. I look forward to this conversation.
0: I do as well. I do as well. Everybody who comes on this program, I like to start out with their career journey because I think it tells a powerful story of why I've welcomed you here. So Mo, tell us a little bit about your career journey.
1: As you mentioned briefly, I've been in the professional world for the last 20 years in the IT world and worked for some tier one consulting firms and industry leading companies. And that was started all after I completed my MBA at Iowa State University in 2001. Coincidentally, during this time as well, I had been exposed to the concept of emotional intelligence. I'm glad to say that I'm now 14 years plus student of emotional intelligence and human interaction because there's no ceiling for that. And I did throughout my journey develop as an attentive and reliable principal consultant, entrepreneur, and a career coach. So in essence, I empower both businesses and individuals to take their performance and achievements to the next level. My commitment is that no one is ever stuck, whether you're a business or an individual, you're never stuck with the results that you have today. And there's always an option to move to a different area that you desire.
0: I love the name of your business. You formed this business. It's called Be to have but it looks like the word behave with the two in the middle of it. Tell us a little bit about the ideology of your company's name. It's fascinating.
1: I was inspired by my first program of emotional intelligence education to have a revelation that most of us as human beings will live a model called do, have, be. So you go to work, work, that's the doing, to have money, and that's the having, To, in the hope that you're going to be happy. That model was shattered for me during that time. And then I was exposed to the model of be, do, have. So you be happy, you start by being happy, do whatever makes you happy. And no matter what you have, at this point, you're still happy. So that model inspired me to just abbreviate it To be, to have. So in order to have something, you want to be something. For example, you want to switch jobs. You want to be adventurous, courageous, decisive. Otherwise, you'll always remain in your familiar box. You're likely not to take the move.
0: That's so true right now. In recent months, I've had a number of clients tell me, I am looking again. I was looking in 2020, 2021. I've spent less than two years at a company. I've never spent this little time, but I'm finding that my give a damn is busted. I don't want to stay at this company any longer than I have to. I probably should have waited and held out for a better opportunity. I'm finding more of the same than I had in my past company. And when I ask how long did you stay at your past company? They'll say something like five, seven, 10 years. Really interesting dynamic of how quickly people are pivoting these days. Are you seeing that in your own practice?
1: Yes, because the market is so dynamic. I think that people are held back by uh, their fears or concern versus what they want to do. So if you ask uh, a lot of people, they want their life is dynamic. Life keeps changing around us. They want to do new things, but whether they have the confidence and courage to do that or not, that's a different story.
0: You've had a very courageous journey. Thank you for sharing it with us and its briefness because it stretched for a long period of time where you were working in the IT field at consulting firms, but you also were internal at different companies. When that career decision came about for you to decide, do I go contract for my next experience or do I take a role? How did that decision process play out
1: for you? It started around, well, when I first landed as an immigrant in Canada. So I came from a permanent employment mentality and I wanted to continue that. So I worked for the first four years in permanent positions. And then I started to entertain the idea of, oh, there's a different option. I can do whatever I am doing as a contractor as well. But then with that came the thought of, what is the world of contracting? I am new to that. I am I'm certainly trained in being an employee and uh, there is the uncertainty of being a contractor. So it was funny enough, it was that point of coaching or, or the coaching for emotional intelligence that had me uh, calm about the decision. And I remember that I had a specific coaching because I was afraid. I was had a specific coaching that uh, was told to me as, you know what, to be f- fearful is perfectly human, but what fear does is it stops us from taking action. And the coach at that time said, do me a favor. Whenever you encounter a fearful situation, acknowledge your humanity, but don't stop Act, And I noticed that I had been presented with the opportunity of contracting two, three times and I used to decline them and I didn't know why I was declining them. So when I got present that it was my fear, the next offer that came to me, I acknowledged that fear and I took it. And here I am for more than 14 years working as a contractor and I would never have regret the decision and I'm loving it.
0: I love that story because I can inspire others to do the same. Don't stop at what fear was holding you back from the contracting side, if you don't mind sharing.
1: Well, when I dig deep down memory lane, I come from a family where both my parents were government employees and they say government empl- employment is very stable. Then my father particularly saved up money and then eventually he went into a business venture. And that business venture uh, didn't go well, and he lost money. So for me, it was I had the decision or made the decision uh, mentally that hey, we don't take risks. We're not good. We're a family of employees. Stay as an employee. It's safe.
0: Safety is a huge factor, I think, with a lot of people that are looking to go to something different, but they only know the corporate confines. It, they fear things like how am I going to fund my health insurance? is a little bit different where you live because there's socialized health care, but there's still those considerations. You're not working for a company that's going to match your retirement benefits, for example. You're not going to have a company that's going to contribute to some of the other costs that corporate America, and in your case, corporate Canada, can offer. So how do you factor for those decisions? I know there's a don't stop and act, but clearly as a family man you had to take some some risks there but they had to be calculated risks how do you break that down
1: well if we're going to talk about permanent employment versus contracting or being an independent contractor i would consider three things that we would like to discuss the um, first thing is the mindset how the mind plays us or talk to us when it comes to Uh, looking at both, then we can also talk about what flexibility comes with one or the other, and what is the lively day-to-day implication in terms of uh, the financials, the taxing systems that we live in, and so on. Uh, So if I start by the mindset being the engine that engineers the direction. If you look at employment in a company, it's always regarded as low risk. I'm going to get this running salary every month, and I am going to. It's very it's stable because in order to be let go, there has to be a, a few indications, warnings, or something like that. And usually, people, if they perform average, they w- they would never get let go before two years, unless there is a major crisis in their company. When you look at independent contracting it's considered high risk because the minute you say contracting is usually associated with project work or temporary nature in the company operation that is that's once somebody on temporary basis so you're expected to uh, be on a contract um, let's say, three to nine months and then find another one. So this finding another one creates the risk of, oh, what if I got into this and I didn't find the other one? So that's the risk factor. When you also look at the mindset of a permanent employment, it's like a ladder. You're going into a job because you know that you're going up the ladder. So, for example, in my world of IT senior cons- consultant, senior uh, consultant, manager, senior manager, director, partner, that career path that you've set in front of you. But when you look at the contracting, the career is kind of flat. So you're looking at yourself as you're performing a service. So you're at service. So it doesn't matter whether you pick up on this contract a project manager role, but maybe the next one, you're going back to a consultant. Okay, so it's a flat career path. If you look at things in the permanent employment, for example, you have, as you mentioned earlier, Corporate benefits. You have extended health care, dental uh, coverage, long-term disability, short-term disability, contribution to um, retirement plans uh, for us here in Canada, RRSP, in the U.S. 401k, I believe. Now, in a contracting world, you don't get this benefit. You only get your hourly pay. So to make up for this, you might need to purchase the insurance, for example. To purchase liability insurance on your company just in case something goes wrong. So you purchase most of these stuff. When we look at permanent employment as well, you are okay with the employee mentality. So you're contributing to somebody else as part of this company. But in the contracting world, most of the time, if your income is high enough, you need to incorporate, which means you need to have... A corporation, the other company is paying to your corporation and it's up to you from your corporation to figure out how you're going to pay yourself. So once you launch this corporation, you can entertain to other business ideas as well. So you're not bound into the field of contracting that you started with, but you can entertain to other business opportunities and ideas as well.
0: The mindset, I think, is important to mention because there's a freedom in doing your own work that if people are coming from an overly restrictive manager, let's say, or a top down company where everything was just thrown at the employees, not a lot of employee engagement, you might look towards a contracting position for a little bit of freedom. I do see people who go back and forth. They go to a contracting position and sometimes it's contract to hire. The company likes them so much, they offer them a full-time position. I don't know that people internalize, which was a great point that you made, how flat the career path is. So if it's somebody who's really motivated by their career ascension, Perhaps contracting isn't for them.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And that's the thing where you find we as humans are very diverse and whatever works for me might not work for you. So they're always going to be everything in the market. There won't be one way of doing it because we're just different human beings. We, we think about things differently. So that's valid.
0: Tell me a little bit about the flexibility part of it and the life implications, as you mentioned.
1: Yes. So in the flexibility, when you look at permanent employment days off, you have 25 days, what I call 25 days. 10 days are usually the statutory holidays on average. And then the company would give you in your offer a number of days off, on average, let's say 15. So these together are 25 days off per year and they are paid when you are a permanent employee. An independent contractor, you're going to still take whether you like it or not, the 10 days, which are statutory holidays. Now, when you it's funny when you are a contractor, some people, because they lose a bit of income, they want to work these two, but let's say you're going to take them off. The flexibility here is when I coach individuals into being contractors, we usually calculate the contracting year at 44 weeks, although the year has 52, because we said those 25 days that are in permanent employment translate to five calendar weeks. And then you take three more weeks on top of that for additional flexibility, because almost everyone complains from 15 days only on the job. So you take another three weeks and you set eight weeks and you calculate your contracting income based on 44 weeks only. That three weeks extra gives you the flexibility that was confining you in the employment. Plus, it's very rare that you could line up a contract to start on the last day of an existing contract. So if I'm uh, finishing end of this month, it's very difficult to line something October 1st. So that is one aspect of the flexibility. The other aspect of the flexibility is how long you spend at work. So in the permanent employment, you're told it's a nine to five job. But when there is intensity at the, the job site and then you are required to spend overtime, you find yourself spending the overtime with a promise, a certain promise. Like, you know, maybe at the end of the day, if you work hard, maybe at the end of you get a promotion. This would make a difference for a big they put these hours in. Now, when you're working as a contractor, that expectation kind of like a little bit different. Okay, they know that you're working by the hour. So when somebody asks you for more than a nine to five, if you are, let's say, firm or present to why you do this job, you can ask at this point, okay, what am I going to be doing on the extra hour? Am I going to bill for the extra hour? And you're surprised It's funny things happen around this. And this happened to me personally, where people will either say, yes, you can bill for extra. Hours or no, 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 that's fine. We'll get somebody else to do it. And that somebody else is usually the permanent employee in that company that I'm contracting with.
0: Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we had a program where we talked about what people are really looking for in the shift that resulted from the great resignation and one of the top things is salary negotiations are different as you as you pointed out so well here but it's flexibility even when working in a corporate confine people are trying to close on a job that will give them the flexibility of maybe a hybrid work environment or maybe a, a another week's vacation or something. It seems like they want to get something out of it more than is initially offered, which is really interesting. As you said, when you're a contractor, you have the flexibility to contract towards some of those things that a corporate confine can't afford or won't. Yes,
1: and you can also, in 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 regards to what you said uh, here, is that you can always negotiate the terms. Uh, On a contract, you can hardly get stuck because let's say you want a hybrid job or a remote work, and then you are kind of like this was what was offered to you. So you inherently understand that, okay, I will take this for the next six months or nine months, but on my next contract, I would look to negotiate better terms. Now, in the um, permanent employment, because you're on average, you're usually, uh, as a permanent employee, you're stuck with the terms that you negotiated for five years versus six or nine months on a contract.
0: Yeah. Yes, exactly. I think it's a perfect segue to life implications and how contracting may be very attractive to some people. I know that when I started getting a lot of people coming back to the workplace after the pandemic, people were looking for, they liked being home. They liked working from home and being there when their kids get off the bus. They liked the thought of throwing a load of laundry in, in between a meeting or something like that. What are some of the other things that people are seeking from a life implication standpoint, or maybe not considering? Because you just said something I hadn't even thought about with regard to contracting was the 44 weeks. That was a huge takeaway for me. I hadn't even thought about it that way. So what are some of the life implications that people should consider when they're thinking about contract versus permanent?
1: The first thing that jumps to my mind is travel, extended travel, especially, uh, let's say, here in Canada being, uh, you know, focused more on immigration and all this stuff. Most people who immigrated would love to go uh, back home to spend some time with their family. So if you are, let's say, in Canada or the US and this back home for you is India or Pakistan or Malaysia or China people want to spend more time the the, the the traveling is is exhaustive so people want to spend a month there but then they know that they either have to cut it to three weeks and if they cut it to three weeks that's it their, their entire 15 days uh, 15 business days vacation is gone even if they want to do something local after they can't because they have to wait for wait for something like long weekends because they have consumed their time off.
0: That's an important factor. What beyond tra- travel can people consider as a life implication if they choose to go contract versus permanent?
1: you know flexibility again because uh, on on running errands and doing things because uh, inherently you can also negotiate the number of hours versus a 9 to 5 so for example if i work somewhere and and i know that we are charging by the hour i might talk to the hiring manager to let's say work today 9 to 12 And then go run an errand from 12 to 2 and then come back, put these two hours and work, let's say, from 2 to 6 or 7. So that in itself is a relief to a lot of people versus you getting stuck and getting helpless on that. You can always, if you have even good relationships with with your hiring manager or your report manager in a permanent employment, you, you can do that, but it's, uh, it's more understandable when you work as a contractor. Flexibility just comes inherent.
0: There are a lot of people who are not comfortable cannonballing into the deep end of the pool, right? So for those people out there that are looking to kind of take it one step at a time, there's a lot of people I started out like this initially as working in a corporate job. And then I had a side hustle of coaching. Coaching became my full-time gig. And I think I was always in my head, if I'm to put myself out there and to be really candid, looking for that perfect moment. There was no perfect moment. It just happened. I, I really, to your point, don't stop, act, became my focal point, And I just took the leap when I thought it was the appropriate time. But there are people that want to earn a little extra money on the side, want to dip their toe in the water and see if contracting is for them. How do you advise people who maybe want to do contracting as a side hustle? What are some of the things you need to factor for and consider in those situations?
1: okay as 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 a side hustle okay let's let's step back from from this um saying first that when we talked about the fear okay if you are for example a permanent employee for 10 15 years and you want to go into contracting don't forget that with 15 years you've become an expert in being an employee you have you know everything now on being an employee now deciding to go as a contractor Is something that you have zero experience. So it's very, it's very normal to be afraid because of that zero experience. But similarly to like any skill that you learned in in your life, you were grappling with it at the beginning and then you started becoming an expert. So so is contracting. So when you go into the contracting world, you get introduced to recruiters, the middlemen usually that gets you the first couple of gigs. Till you build your network as a contractor and then like like two or three years into it you have a network you've worked on six projects or something on average and then you have co-workers from these projects that are moving to other projects and calling you via the network hey there's an opening in our company or in our project why don't you come work for us so the the network is going to get built as you go one other option uh, as you were saying Andre is side okay now this side is is also tricky because some jobs have been offering part time engagement and some others don't okay and to find the uh, contracting on the side you wanna you wanna most likely be relying on your network again um, one of the supply chain for the contracting world is very much also based on recruiters. So there are recruiters that are like kind of act like middlemen and these recruiting companies have the relationships with the their clients and their clients are the hiring managers and they come to them and say, hey, we're looking for X. Okay, so in a sense, if you want to have a healthy pipeline of uh contracts, um, you want to connect with recruiters and you want to have conversations with them and have your resume in their databases to get that. Now, these recruiters, unfortunately, today are mainly set up for, for 40 hours a week type of contracting, which is the full time. That's why I use the word permanent because there is permanent full time and there is contracting full time. So contracting by the hour but full time means you're still working 40 hours a week. Okay? Or charging 40 hours a week. Okay? So because that's how they're set up when you want to go into let me work my job part time, you have to see who offers part time. For example, you want to work as a as a marketing specialist part time. Okay. Most of the time the employers are sitting, I want somebody to help me 40 hours. I have discovered that they don't maybe necessarily need 40 hours, but there's also a thought process in their head that the contractor runs a family, so they won't accept less than 40 so that it doesn't impact their financials as well. So the that part-time gig, you'd have to rely on your on your network for it, somebody to give you from a particular budget. Okay, a few hours here and there as part-time. And that would be the segue to testing the waters if you wish.
0: That's a great explanation. Another factor, and I don't want to minimize it because this is a big factor, in people who are comfortable with the corporate confines or used to having a certain income and probably bought their house based on that income, right? Mm. To shift to a contracting position You and I had a really great conversation about financials and tax implications that people should consider when they are considering moving more to a contract position. Can you share a little bit about it? You talked a little bit about, you know, if you were making like $100,000 full time versus $120,000 from a contract perspective, can you work the numbers for us a little bit?
1: That's wonderful. Wonderful. And it's funny because uh, usually people look at contractors, at least when I was a contractor, when I, I get into the job, it's like, this is the guy that makes more money, that gets paid the bucks. And I, I always hear it, people saying, well, that's why you get paid the big bucks. Do X, do Y, <laughs> right? Make it work. <laughs> so let's speak about the financials and the tax implications as well, because specifically in, in North America, we know that the tax, our tax brackets are high. Uh, and we always usually complain about uh, about how much taxes so let's make a comparison between that so let's take a permanent employee that is making 100k mm-hmm. and uh, let's say an average tax and let's say provincial versus fe- federal or or state uh, versus federal we say 30% for example is an average tax so you net in your pocket 70k okay And that 70K is your disposable income, as they say. And everything that you spend, whether it's rent, whether it's mortgage, whether it's a car that you buy, anything you spend is that from that net 70. So if you are in a contractor, what we usually say, because remember the calendar that said 44 weeks Mm -hmm. of work only. okay? so we usually set the Contractor income. If you're moving out of an employment, to 1.5 to 1.5 the value. So, for example, if you would making hundred thousand, you want to make sure that the 44 weeks of contracting generate to you anything between 125 to 150. And why is that? Because always, as we said before, when it comes to benefits, the corporate. Pays you benefits and benefits equal money. So they pay you all these contributions, uh, share options, insurances. Remember, we said when you go as a contractor, you will be purchasing these benefits, right, for your safety. Okay, so that twenty-five thousand at a, on a, on top of a hundred thousand usually covers up for the monetary value of your. Uh, Corporate benefit. And again, I'm talking averages. So no one holds to that particular figure just for the sake of an example. So we said 100,000 in employment, 30% uh, tax, 70%, 70K net in your pocket. In contracting, we're going to say 125K. Now, 125K, what we do with that, if you have a corporation or you have a corporate, registered corporate, that 125 doesn't per se go to Mahmoud okay it goes to my company let's say mm-hmm. B to have and then I figure out how I draw money from my company do I want to make myself a payroll under this company or do I want to take bonuses or dividends your accountant can tell you more about that but let's say I take personally half of this money and put half of it in my in the corporate bank account okay so half to me half in the corporate bank account. Now if you look at that again my income now is not hundred thousand. my personal income becomes say 60,000. so I'm in a lower tax bracket. the other 65 is sitting in a company so it gets charged on a corporate tax structure which is lesser usually around the 15 percent okay so if you just simply simply take an average, we will say that the average tax on the 125 is 20 if that is the case then you're netting in your pocket 100k so from 70 you're doing 100k so that 100k when you have a company there's a lot of things that in that you use on day to day for that business uh, of contracting your car going to the the uh, client site and coming back there so you're consuming your car you have an office a space in your house. So in certain tax uh, implications, you could write off part of that car expense. You could write off part of your mortgage or your rent in proportion to the home office that you're having. Um, You take somebody and go out and you speak business. You're allowed to expense that meal to a business account because you spoke business. And again, accountants can speak more to that, but I'm just giving an example. So 70, and then you take out everything from the 70, or would you get 100 net after you take all the taxes from the corporate account? So, in my opinion, it makes more sense to be on the contracting side financially and tax implication wide in places like North America. And I especially recommend it for couples that the, the household where the, the spouses, the husband and wife are working, both of them working. So I always recommend that, hey, why don't one of you work as a permanent employee and gets the benefits and the corporate benefits of an employment while the other individual works as a contractor and you get the benefits and tax implications and financials of a contractor. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that
1: because that
0: is a huge factor of other people. I think that is a fear allayed probably for some of the people listening to our podcast because it's talking dollars and cents. I think Mo makes a very good point. I want to reiterate, get a good accountant to sit down with you when you're thinking of going contract who can sit down and help you really figure out the tax implications. There are many things uh, that will benefit you. In terms of write offs, uh, as well as if you purchase benefits off the top, that's pre tax consideration. So there's a lot of things to consider, but get yourself a good accountant to help you. And they can also help you set up your LLC or your S corp or your INC, whatever you decide to do to your corporation together. Mo, this has been a wonderful half hour. I know that many of the things that we've talked about today, you've helped numerous clients with. Can you tell us a little bit about what a perfect client would look like that comes to be to have?
1: Yes. So I help individuals in the career coaching. So individuals can come on two broad categories, unemployed or employed, unemployed, maybe a graduate, maybe somebody who recently is a newcomer to the country and looking for a new opportunity. So that's example of or somebody laid off. So that's an example of unemployed. And the uh, other category are the employed means that you have a job and you're seeking a different job for the purpose of a higher pay, a promotion up the career ladder, or very simply, as you said, want to stay the same, but I just want a more flexible job in, in, in today's world and economy
0: suggestions pros and cons of permanent versus contractor jobs this has been a wealthy conversation of incredible consideration for people who may be thinking of making the leap to contractor done what do you want to leave them with
1: research your job your current job and see what are the opportunities of contracting and you do a search Uh, on job boards and make sure that there is a demand out there for that. That will put you at peace if you know that there is enough demand for your job in the contracting side.
0: And how can people reach Coach Mo to work with him?
1: You could reach me at uh, my website, uh, b 2 have .ca and see the career coaching services listed there and you feel free to go through it. And on that page, uh, you could request a session to understand what my programs and services are. I'm also available at, as Coach Mo on LinkedIn. You can also connect with me uh, on LinkedIn. Wonderful.
0: Thank you so much for joining 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I know I've learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot about considering permanent versus contract, which is a very real consideration for people in the
1: workforce today. So thank you for raising the bar. You're welcome. And thanks for having me. And thanks for giving me an opportunity to make what or to do what I like best is making a difference for others listening to this conversation.
0: Well, that's all the time we have. For this week, we will be back here next week. Same time, same place, more power.